So this morning, um, we've been given, the Guatemala team has been given the whole service to share. So this year, our team consisted of 16 people. We had two from uh, the States and one from Calgary. So 13 from the lower mainland. And this morning, uh, we're going to have almost everybody from the lower mainland team share. So... Um, we're going to start with a short video, and after that, uh, the people who are going to be sharing will just come up one at a time. Okay? So, hopefully, you enjoy it. Thanks.
Good morning. My name is Regan Wong, and I was part of the short-term mission trip that went to Guatemala this year. I've learned a lot about what it means to be a missionary, and I've also learned a vastly different culture. Many vivid memories come from VBS and playing with the Guatemalan kids. It's very enjoyable to see the Guatemalan kids have so much fun, despite their desperate living situations and their dysfunctional family members. On the more spiritual side of things, the Guatemalans have a dependency for God, so they show endless love to Him. They take the time to worship and pray to Him every single day, which is something I am still improving on. Our Canadian life is filled with distractions, and sometimes we forget to pray, or we forget to thank God for everything we have. It seems to me that all these Guatemalan kids are very thankful for what they have, even though it is not much compared to us. Other fond memories are the water games because most of the times we played, there's a mysterious case of someone getting hit in the head with a water balloon or a sponge, as you've seen in the video. On a more serious note, though, the Guatemalan kids have question, has made me question my faith towards God and I'm, as I strive to be closer to Him. I am also looking forward to being on this missions trip next year. Thank you. Hello, my name is Princeton, and going to Guatemala was my first missions trip. Before going, I had no clue what to expect. I was nervous because I had heard about the conditions in Guatemala, and they weren't exactly the same as Canada. I was worried about my safety and also the fact that we couldn't flush toilet paper down the toilet. It didn't help that the night we arrived, the seminary was guarded by men with shotguns. Every shop, building, and compound had guards, even McDonald's. As the trip progressed, my fears and concerns slowly dissipated. The next day, we traveled to Taktik, the town we would be staying in for the next eight days. During our time there, we volunteered with the children, helped build a school, and visited the not-so-local local hospital, which was actually an hour away from the town we were in, and the only one in the area. We also ran VBS there, which was very different from what I was used to at our church. The children were enthusiastic and extremely grateful for, what, for everything they had, which was really nothing compared to us. For many children in Guatemala, their families are dysfunctional. Many families are single-parent families, and sometimes the kid may be beaten or forced into hard labor. In spite of their desperate situations, I could not see their unease in the actions as they were ecstatic to see us and play with us. Even though the church had no chairs or benches for the, kit, for the kids, not a single kid complained, and all the kids sung with an unfathomable amount of energy I had never seen here. Their energy and enthusiasm were evident, even though I could not understand their language. Overall, the Guatemalan children taught me many things I would never have learned here in Canada. For example, I learned to be more grateful for what God has done, as the children there thanked Him, despite their situations. In the future, I would definitely look forward to going again. Thank you.
Good morning. Uh, I'm Ethan, and this is my first time in Guatemala, and um, yeah, I got a lot to say. So uh, after being baptized in December of last year, um, I vowed to set my life on a fearless track of faith and trust. And I'll be honest, I tried. Uh, I tried to put God first, and I tried to invest time in reading the Word, but as school continued to increase in rigor, there just weren't enough hours in the day for me to live two lives one for God, and the other for pursuing this world. I wanted to change this, but I couldn't do this alone. So preparing for this mission trip, I had no idea what to expect. I knew that my faith and that my North American ideals would be challenged, but little did I know the extent that I would experience this change. I'd be reading my daily devotionals and going to Sunday services, but nothing was radical or, or potent enough to truly speak to me. They just modestly challenged aspects of our life while trying to allude to bigger metaphorical meanings. I mean, the devotionals, not the services. (laughs) Going out of character, I also decided to procrastinate writing and sending my prayer support letter until eight hours before boarding the plane. Uh, So really, I just couldn't wait for this trip to begin. I set my expectations high, yet they're still blown away. Now, the trip began with a long flight, binge-watching movies, and something us Vancouverites have never heard of starts with H and it ends with humidity. Yes, humidity. <laughs> After enjoying Guatemala's steamy environments for 10 days, I've grown to truly appreciate Vancouver's cold, clammy climate. And on a more personal level, however, I've learned a lot more about the steps I need to take to live a congruent life. Now, on day four, we went to visit the region's hospital, which covered an area of half a million square kilometers. Among all the pain and suffering that was held within those corridor walls, when we walked in, God's presence lit the way for us. Every head turned, curious and yearning. Now, we gifted this one three-year-old boy a teddy bear that was the size of his body, (laughs) and the smile that he wore that day will be something that I'll never, ever forget. Now, there weren't enough thank yous or hugs in the world to satisfy us all. God said to love everyone, and that's exactly what we did. Now, going into this trip, there was something else that was on my mind, and this was the priorities in which I lived my life. My subconscious hierarchy went something like this. School, swimming, music, and then God. Over the trip, I began to realize that I needed to put more God first rather than earthly things. I also realized how truly lucky we are to be living in Canada, because you really don't know what you've got till it's gone. And with our luxurious lives, we seldom remember to actively appreciate things that give us joy. Thus, I challenge every single one of you this morning to thank someone today. It could be a thank you for being a loving person, or it could be a thank you for doing a favor. But whatever it is, we just don't say thank you enough. So spread a little thanks. And since coming back from Guatemala, my faith has regained a lot of traction. Accepting imperfection was the first step to change. And the second was beginning its difficult, dreaded process. Thus, to put God first, I've added a time of prayer and goal setting into my morning routine. This short-term mission trip has equipped me with a new, refreshing arsenal of perspectives and life lessons to draw on during this upcoming academic year. And I can't wait to start another chapter of my walk with God. And if there's one thing you should take away from this little blurb, just know that God is always trying to speak to you. However, it's up to you to be open-minded and listen. Despite me fully reassimilating back into North American culture, the missions trip didn't end when I got off the flight. 
So, as some food for thought, it is our responsibility to continue to go make disciples and spread the gospel. And lastly, I promised the kids I'd come back next year, and I don't plan on breaking that promise. Um, so I hope that you heard something you needed to hear this morning, or I challenged you today. So thank you for your time. Have a wonderful day, and don't forget to be thankful. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Ella, and uh, yeah, this past July, I went to Guatemala for the first time. And um, here I definitely learned a lot about the culture there. I learned um, a lot about the reality of the lives that many of the people there live. Um, but I also learned a lot about myself and this world that I have always known here in Canada. So what was interesting to me was that the beginning of the trip especially, I definitely um, witnessed, you know, like the living conditions and just the situations that many of the people there lived. And my immediate reaction was actually this kind of sadness and um, sympathy for them because what I saw just felt so um, unjust, you know, um, in comparison to how I live. And the interesting thing was, was that as the trip went on, I started to realize that none of those situations that those people were in were things that um, they felt um, sad about at all. Um, for example, I would see the dirt floors in their homes and I would see how they had to sleep on those floors at night. And I realized that to them, that wasn't, you know, a loss. They were so grateful for a place to sleep at all. They were grateful for a roof over their heads. Um, or I hear about how lots of children go to school half the day and then work the other half um, to support their families. And they wouldn't see that as an unfortunate situation. They were just so grateful for an education at all. Um, so this is definitely where I sort of um, kind of felt conflicted in, my, in, in uh, this part of the trip, at least, um, because I could see how strong their faith was. I could see how much gratitude they had for God, the way they worshipped him, the way they prayed. And um, here I was looking at all these families and children that had next to nothing, but they could see God so clearly, and they had so much faith in him. And then here I was, um, from a country that has so much, yet um, God always felt so far away. And I kind of became frustrated and even a little envious of what they had spiritually, because something our team talked a lot about was spiritual richness, and how even though in Guatemala they are so much poorer than us financially, they have so much of God, and they are so rich with God. And here in Canada, we would be a third world country if we were to rank it based on spirituality. We'd be so far down from where they are spiritually. Um, and that's just a result of, you know, all the possessions that we have, all the distractions that kind of come with living in this country. And um, with the more things that we have, then that gives us more reasons to complain and just be unsatisfied. So um, going to Guatemala definitely opened my eyes to how I wanted to find value in my life. Because it almost, it's as if it took me to travel across to Guatemala to realize how spiritually poor I was. Because here I've just become so numb to this. Um, idea of what a good quality life looks like and how um, narrow it's become and it's very much driven by the eyes of the world. So coming back I definitely wanted to um, see how I could live with you know what I have, be grateful for it because I'm very lucky to be here. It's not something that I should have felt envious for. Like that envy that I had for them before sort of subsided into this more this bigger desire to just be grateful for what I have but also really seek for what a good quality life looks like in the eyes of God. 
And so um, that's definitely what has stuck with me coming back, and um, I hope to continue reflecting upon that. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Good morning. My name is Flora. And for those of you who are at Sayout, I kind of briefly already shared about this, but I just thought that I'd share about it again because Guatemala was where I was able to open my eyes about this and really, truly understand what this all meant. So a little bit before this trip, I saw a post online that said, don't cross oceans for someone who wouldn't cross a puddle for you. And for the longest time, I thought this made total sense. Why would I go beyond measures for someone who wouldn't do the same for me? But then I also came across something that said, no, do it. Cross oceans for people, love people, all people. No conditions attached. No wondering whether they're worthy. Cross oceans, climb mountains. Life isn't about what you gain, but about what you give. And this has always been something that I was able to relate back to God about. Um, it reminded me of the verse from John 14, 12 to 13, that says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. But going to, Guatemala, going to Guatemala allowed me to firsthand experience this. The kids, as you saw from the videos, were overfilled with joy once they saw us, and the smiles and laughter never once left their faces. I cannot begin to count the number of hugs I received on this trip, but let me tell you, it was more than a year's worth of hugs I received in Vancouver. Kids there loved with no expectations. They didn't love expecting anything in return. They often loved like how God loves us, because he wants to. He pursues us, and he saves us, and he loves us unconditionally because he chooses to. And that is the way that we should live. To become more like the Lord, we have to love more like him. Because at the end of the day, we don't get to choose to cross oceans for those even though we don't think they deserve it. At the end of the day, we don't deserve this love and this gracious love that God gives us. He gives it to us with no hesitation. And he forgives us the second that we ask for it. So if I really gained anything from this trip is to simply love. To love without expecting anything in return, and to love wholeheartedly. To love us the way that the Father loves us. As we desire to become the light of the Lord and the light of the world, we need to be more like him and simply love those around us. So I'd like to end off with the verse that has been really resonating with me the past few weeks, because I believe it only speaks the truth. We love because he first loved us. And this comes from 1 John 4.19, because without our Father's love, we would not be able to begin to love anyone else. Uh, good morning, everybody. I'm Michael, and I will admit this may be a little bit incoherent because I've spent all my time putting in the bloopers, so I hope it was worth it. Um, and so uh, God spoke in many ways in Guatemala, and it's too many ways to name right now, but I'll just highlight one of them. And it was uh, through Les Peters, um, the founder of Impact Ministries, and that's, the, of course, the mission we went with. And... Uh, we were fortunate to have him lead a couple of our debriefs, and so in those debriefs, he shared some of his experiences and some of his stories, and there's one that stood out to me in particular, and so it's kind of a cop-out because it's not my story, but it did impact me, so I'll share it with you guys. Uh, when he first became a believer, um, he had a lot of fear uh, in regards to his faith, particularly uh, he had a 76 Mustang car uh, that he loved, and by any standard, it's a nice car, uh, but he realized that by accepting Christ... Um, God would become the Lord of his life, and 
uh, he questioned, what happens if God asked me to give up that car? What if he asked me to give up that Mustang? And he felt like he couldn't do it. He felt like it was something that was just too difficult to let go of. Um, and so he was sharing this with his then-to-be future wife, uh, Rita, and um, Rita responded by saying this, you really don't believe God loves you, do you? Um, because God wants only good for us. And, of course, uh, my dad is going to share a little bit later on what good really means. Um, but that, that really struck me as well. Um, do I really believe God is, loves me and wants the best for me, even if he's asking us to give things up um, for his glory? And so a verse that's been sticking with me this year is from Isaiah 55, uh, verses 8 to 9. It says this. Uh, this is God speaking um, to the Israelites, his people. Uh, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Uh, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so th- this is something I've been wondering. It's like, do I truly believe these words? Do I, do I understand um, that his plan and his kingdom is more important than my goals, um, my ambitions in this life? Um, so to carry on with Les's story, uh, Les eventually did have to give up that car. Um, and he ended, he ended up having to give up a lot more than just the car. He had to give up a job in Canada that was stable, something he really enjoyed, that had a good paycheck every month. Um, he had to give up the lifestyle and comforts of Canada and to go to Guatemala um, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people of Tactique and to raise up a generation that seeks God. And so when he first got to Guatemala, he started with one school. And now... About 20 years later, it's up to 10 schools and up to 1,500 students, uh, most of whom believe uh, in Christ. And they're just stories and stories of students coming to Christ and then sharing the gospel with their families. Uh, and the entire families coming back to Christ. And you've stories of brokenness um, being healed. And so you can see from just one man's faithfulness the multiplication of the gospel and just how contagious it's been. And so... Um, one story that really comes to mind is in Matthew 25. It's the parable of the talents. And, and I'm not going to expound on it, but briefly, um, the parable goes like this. A master is leaving for a long time, so he gives one servant five talents, another servant two talents, and the last servant one talent. And the servant with the five talents and the servant with the two talents, they go out and they multiply what they have by, by two. They double their yield. Um, but then the servant with one talent holds on to that one talent and hides it and doesn't, it comes to no fruition. And so to the servants that doubled their yield, um, Jesus says to him, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And so Les's life is just such a testament to this scripture. This is a man who's taking a step of obedience and God has just continued and continued to entrust him with more and more. Um, so now it's not just schools that he's entrusted with. God has given him an orphanage, a renowned greenhouse, an agricultural system, and just it just continues to come in abundance, and all to bring people to Christ. And so um, one thing that I was wondering about is, you know, what if Les held on to that Mustang? What if Les held on to his job, his stable job in Canada? What if he held on to his lifestyle in Canada? How many people uh, in Tactique would not know Christ? those 1,500 students that he sees every year, how many families would be affected by this? Um, the eternal consequences is horrifying to think about. And 
I guess this is just to conclude, um, we have to turn that question back on ourselves, and this goes for me especially, this is something I'm wrestling with, is what are we holding on to um, that's preventing us from fulfilling what God has created us to do? Uh, maybe what, what are we holding on to that's preventing us from uh, reaching other people with the gospel? So just some food for thought. Thank you, guys. I'm Sharon. The booklet was right. This was not a vacation. A mission trip is so much more than a vacation to the beach or to Disneyland. This required me to open my heart to different uncomfortable experiences and to dig deep into my faith. My version is the bug or B-U-G version of this trip. B is for bad. Bad number one. Because some relatives and friends of mine thought I was crazy to travel to a third world country with my two boys and my nephew. I have to protect them, you see. Many unsafe things could happen in a drug-infested, impoverished third world country with guns and a corrupt government. And I didn't even speak a word of Spanish. A few times, I wanted to cancel the trip. But I already paid the deposit, and being Asian, I didn't want to lose that money. So, but when I arrived in Guatemala, my fears were immediately allayed as uh, Les Peters of Impact Ministries met us at the airport. The drivers and translators were organized and took care of us every step of the way. Bad number two because we had to throw tissue into the waste basket beside the toilet and not into the toilet. During the trip, I forgot about seven times and had to go on fishing expeditions to get the tissue out. I brought disposable chopsticks for this, but forgot to bring it into the toilet. So, therefore, I went finger fishing. Bad number three, because a door was slammed into my face by Mike Liu, the one who spoke before me, in case you don't know, which nearly broke my fingers and my nose. It was not entirely uh, Mike's fault, though, because I was trying to speak to my sons, and then this gigantic moth, about eight inch long and black as a bat, was trying to get into their room at the same time. So to prevent that, Mike slammed the door in my face. So hard, I could feel the wind in my face. You can ask the boys about the uh, video version of the sequel. Okay. So you, what is you for? Ugly. Ugly number one. Because domestic violence is dismally prevalent due to alcoholism, poverty, and infidelity in Guatemala. What is ugly number two? Because many villagers believe in witchcraft and spend their entire life savings on these rituals. We went to a sinkhole, you saw the picture, a dark, desolate, and eerie place 
where they perform these sacrifices. Ugly number three. Because I saw a few discouraging cases while working in the medical clinic there, this one stood out to me. A 35-year-old man who had fractured his kneecaps at age 27. He did not have enough money to do a surgery that was needed and do the proper treatment. He was told by doctors at age 27 that he needed both legs amputated and that he'll be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Thankfully, he did not comply with medical advice and he was also told not to use his legs, which meant when I saw him, his calf muscles would drastically atrophied, almost like my wrist. The good part, G is for good. Good number one, because unlike Donald Trump, in accurate descriptions of the Guatemalans, these people are loving, they're friendly and welcoming people. I had more hugs here, there in 10 days than in a year here in Vancouver. Good number two, the Guatemalans may have little in terms of physical comforts and material things, but they have pure joy in their hearts for the Lord. The kids would sing at the top of their lungs and seem to worship with their entire being. I truly sense that the Guatemalans depended on the, depended on the power of the Spirit to give them comfort. This was in contrast to North Americans, where we seem to depend more on material possessions and other distractions to bring us comfort. So what did I learn from this trip? I learned to evaluate the things that distract me and keep me away from the Lord. I learned to become more grateful for the many blessings in my life. I have a floor and a roof in my house. I have relationships with my family and friends. I have a relationship with God, and I can worship Him freely. Thank you. We're gonna. My name is James. I want to start off with a little short video. I also put this in the middle, but we couldn't do it, so technical difficulties. But this plays, and this plays. I'll come back to this later. Michael throws this huge five-pound balloon in the air with water, and it hits the kid right in the head. <laughs> and the kid is happy. And there's Michael trying to explain to the kid, I don't know what happened. <laughs> Okay, I want to start with some slides as, we, as I talk. So going on a mission trip is not all about, all about fun and games. You've got to do a lot of preparation and you've got to do a lot of things you normally won't do and uh, involves a lot of... Sac oh, see, a lot of things you don't do at home. Uh, a lot of, and there's a lot of sacrifices you have to do. Like washing dishes for the boys. 
And it could be very tiring and exhausting too. And one is always called on his mission to, as you can see before, to sacrifice your body and endure a lot of pain. But you're doing all this for the glory of God, though. These are the water games that Michael comes up with, you know, like um, you get two lineups and uh, the kids get to throw wet sponge balls at you and the team that gets to hit you ten times first wins. That's just one of many of the water games that Michael um, came up with and usually the kids are always end up soaking wet. So this is my third year going down and uh, a lot of my friends and people ask me, you know, like, uh, James, are you making a difference? What could you actually accomplish in 10 days? Well, I say to them, you know, when you see the smile on their children's face, it tells it all. Before they start the games and everything, they always start with devotion. You know, they will sing and pray to the Lord and they'll thank, thank the Lord for bringing us down to bless them. So a lot of these children, as you heard, they come from broken families, which is a huge problem down there. And a lot of them suffer from poverty. And a lot of them, sadly, suffer from abuse at home. And they only come to school for half a day. And the other half of the day, they, they have to go to work. So for the short time that they spend with us, you can tell by their smile, they don't, they don't have a care in the world. So when they go to bed at night, they're going to be thinking about us. Knowing that there's a God above and that Jesus loves them. Because he has brought us down to bless them. And I'm sure in that little video that the poor boy that got his head hit with that five pound water balloon that Michael tossed up in the air will probably remember Michael for a very long time because his head's probably still hurting. <laughs> so are we making a difference? I think by the smiles and the hugs that we get, I say yes. We're bringing down to these children some hope for a better future. We're showing them that Jesus loves them. And I do see a change. And, and like Sharon said, you know, like I had more hugs in, in, in the eight days we're down to than I do in, in a whole year. And there's a picture of uh, while we were hugging the kids when it comes to it. Bob is actually tossing them up in the air somehow. But, you know, like, with all these hugs and all that, I, I, I come to think, you know, like, I don't know who is blessed more. There's Bob tossing the kids in the air. You know, I don't know who is blessed more, the children or us. Thank you. Hola, my name's uh, Chris. Uh, this is my first trip to Guatemala, and I've seen many things uh, that are different than the ones that we normally see here in Canada. One of them is the hospital. And our teens visited the hospital in Coban, and went to visit the children's ward and the maternity ward. And the children's ward is in such poor condition. The paint's peeling off the walls, the children sleep in cribs rather than the hospital bed. And they are placed uh, so close to each other, um, only separated by the chair for the mother to sit on. So it's the bed, the chair, and another bed is so packed. 
And also the uh, ward was so hot and humid at the time of our visit. And of course, there's no uh, air conditioning. And there was also a smell <laughs> when we first entered the ward. Um, because of what I saw there, I, I won't be complaining about the healthcare system we get here in uh, Canada anymore. And the second thing I um, noticed was uh, uh, seen in the Guatemala that we don't know we'll see here um, is that I'll visit our tour of Antigua by Les Peters. And Antigua is a historical town in Guatemala. Um, he mentioned during the uh, Spanish war, uh, Spanish rule, I should say, over Central America back in the uh, 1500s. The Catholic Church and the military were very, very powerful. So the nobles' uh, oldest sons and um, had to serve in the armies, and their eldest daughter at the age of 12 was sent to the convents. And once there, the girls at age 12 were never to leave the convents. And they were considered to be the brides of God as interpreted by the Roman Catholic Church. Um, as we Christians know, the brides of God refer to the body of Christ, the church, not literally the girls, the brides. Uh, and as Galatians 3:27 to 28 says, for all, of, for all of us who were baptized into Christ will clothe, have clothed ourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free or male or female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. So therefore, if you don't know the Bible, you could easily be fooled. And the third thing I want to mention is, um, you saw in the video clip, we visited schools a lot uh, built by the Impact Ministries. And the children are so warm and welcoming, as you could tell uh, from the video and the uh, pictures, the Lots of hugs, lots of smiles, and, and everybody mentioned that uh, we got more hugs during our 10 days there than we ever get in a whole year. And, and during their worship time, that was before their class starts, and they sang with such passion and enthusiasm and energy, and they know the lyrics by heart. They don't need any um, PowerPoints to tell them the lyrics. And the angelic voices were just like angels singing from heaven. And they gave, and they give us all hugs at the end of the worship. And for me, this is the most memorable uh, part of my entire trip. Gracias. Those are the few Spanish words I learned. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Bob. Uh, what I'd like to do is to talk a little bit about uh, what I've learned during this trip to uh, Guatemala. And what I'd like to do is um, start with a, a verse from the Bible, uh, Romans uh, 5, verses uh, 3 and 4. Now, this is the, uh, the English Standard Version, so if you take a look at another version... The words may be a little bit different. But anyway, this is the uh, English Standard Version. So, not only so, but we also rejoice 
in our suffering. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Now, everybody reacts to the, uh, the Bible a little bit differently, so this is basically how uh, my reaction to these particular verses. Um, uh, first of all, you know, the, the first part of this verse talked about uh, we also rejoice in our suffering. Now, a few years back, uh, for those of you who remember, Pastor Cowan was here, and he talked about the word, meaning of the word joy. Now, joy is not just simply laughing at a good joke, you know, or just having a good time. Joy is something that's really deep inside us. Uh, and I think rejoice is something like that. You know, it's, it's something that coming from very deep inside us. Now, I mean, look at that particular verse and say, rejoice in your suffering. I don't know about you, but, you know, there are times when, uh, when I'm doing some work around the house and uh, I may be hammering a nail, and I'm sure there's something happening to you too. You missed the nail, and you got your fingers. And I can tell you, I did not suffer, I did not rejoice in my suffering at that time. Okay, so, uh, so what does this, this uh, verse uh, mean? You know, uh, why would you be rejoicing in your, in your suffering? Well, anyway, let's uh, take a look at, uh, you know, the, uh, the situation in Guatemala. Uh, in Guatemala, obviously, people were, uh, you know, in, in poverty. Uh, we went to see one of the uh, uh, child that Henry Liu was sponsoring, and we get a look at the place that they were staying at. This is a one shack, uh, a shack basically, and the shack is about the size of a bedroom. Now, don't don't get mistaken. This is not a master bedroom with an ensuite and a walk-in closet. Okay, this is basically a very uh, a medium-sized bedroom, and there's no washroom and there's no running water in a lot of these shacks. So here, you know, we. Uh, just assume that we have all these luxuries uh, and take them for granted, but in Guatemala, a lot of them don't have this, uh, this uh, convenience. Uh, and in Guatemala, we were, you know, I think the, the people uh, talked about this already, but in Guatemala, uh, couples, uh, the relationship is, uh, shall we say, rather loose. Fathers, husbands can leave their family very easily, and same thing with also with mothers or wives, they, they leave their family. So what does that leave the children? Well, a lot of children have basically one parent or their stepchildren. So imagine living in that kind of environment where, uh, you know, you're, you don't have your natural parent and perhaps you may have uh, maybe just one. And there are all other things like that that uh, we saw in, um, in Guatemala, but as you see from the video, the children are amazing. Um, they sing with their hearts out. They sing with their hands raised. And they sing bowing. Now, Jesus said, love God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. I think that's what they're doing. Um, and when I was watching these kids, you know, singing with their hearts out, I kind of almost imagined God was looking at them. And when God was looking at them, how pleased he was with, with uh, that kind of uh, heartfelt worship. So
So anyway, uh, uh, it's obvious that uh, you know uh, the Guatemalans uh, live in poverty and they're 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 materially poor. And in contrast to us in, Mer- in North America, we're we're quite materially well off, even though sometimes uh, we may not think so. And when you're materially well off, we tend to, to, to depend less on God. Well, with these Guatemala, with the, the condition they're in, they have to depend on God. So, uh, uh, and we look at our own uh, situation in, uh, you know, uh, in North America, when is the time that we're closer to God? I think a lot of time is when we're suffering, when we're, uh, you know, uh, desperate, when we have to look to God for, 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 for help, when we can't help ourselves. That's when we get uh, you know closer to God. So, when the Bible is telling us that uh, we should uh, maybe we shouldn't take a normal uh, perspective or view of uh, suffering, the the Bible may be telling us that there's another side to suffering, which is rejoice in our suffering. Thank you. morning. So um, I had a message planned for this time, but as you can see, time is up. So I'm just going to share a short story uh, with you that was shared by uh, one of the principals of, this, of a school that um, in Guatemala. I think it illustrates some of the things that we have been talking about uh, that the team have shared with you. This is a story about an eight-year-old girl. She's um, in a family, and uh, one day <clears throat> her father comes home really drunk, and he has a woman with her. And so he comes home, there's no warning, and uh, he comes home and uh, goes about evicting his, uh, evicting her mom and her siblings and herself from the house to make room for this lady. And so they end up uh, at a neighbor's house, uh, sleeping on the floor, the mud floor that uh, gets wet when it rains. And that's where they have to live all of a sudden. And this is not uncommon in, in Guatemala, this kind of uh, situation. What is uncommon is uh, this girl's reaction. Because uh, her teacher asked her, what do you think about what happened? So, you know, what do you think she would say? I mean, I would expect her to be angry. I would expect her to have some resentment, maybe even hatred for her dad, for this woman. But you know what this young girl said? She said, I'm praying for God that God will speak to my dad and bring him to repentance. And I said, wow. Well, what, what does this girl have that, uh, that she has such love for her dad despite what happened? What does she have? Well, I would say that she's, she's filled with God. She's filled with something that is that makes her strong, that cannot be taken away from her, no matter what the circumstances are. 
And only God can do that. So, just want to encourage you that no matter what the circumstances, if you have God, He can see you through it. He can give you the right attitude. And that's what these Guatemalans demonstrate. And that's the result of their worship. The way they worship God reflects their relationship with God. I just want to leave that with you. And uh, I'll call Tommy up.